Good morning, church. Let's, let's pray for a moment. We give you thanks, God, for your mercies, your love, your grace. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you can give us the wisdom, the ability to hear your voice, to understand who you are, and mostly to live accordingly to the way you love us and expect us to live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We have a packed room today. For those that I have never seen in person, uh, I'm, I, yes, I am the most handsome pastor you ever had. And yes, I probably have the sexiest accent. Um, so my name is Fede. I'm excited to be here sharing with you today. And I'm excited about what, what I feel like God put in my heart to share with you today, especially as we, we're going to start a new sermon series um, next month um, here in Connect, and it's going to be about roots. Usually, my goal when I, when I talk with people about Christianity, I, just, I, I love to go back to the beginnings of where everything started. I think... You know, when, uh, one, one of the, the, the things that I learned, uh, especially living in different countries, is that uh, I had to deconstruct everything I learned about a country to be able to learn what they have. Because they usually have these stereotypes or ideas that of, of several places that when I get there, um, the idea that I had with the reality that I was in front of, it was very different. So I had to de-learn to be able to learn, and, and I think, well, what best way to start? They're talking about new birth. Have you, have you ever been asked if you were born again? That's a typical question in church settings. You know, have you been born again? I know you probably heard a question like I did, why were you born? Um, you probably, do you hear that one? I, hear that, I heard that pretty often. But the question about were you born or are you a born-again Christian, for example? Or you lived your entire life at church, but have you ever been born again? That's a question, at least me. Uh, I was raised Catholic. I was, uh, when, I, when I was 19, I, I became part of Assemblies of God a Pentecostal church in Argentina. And at the age of 27, I became part of the Methodist church. And each one of those denominations or settings, I was asked if I was born again. And everything came down to, have you done a, the prayer? Have you been baptized? Were you confirmed? Those kind of things. But the reality is like being born again is nothing more than making the ways of Jesus your ways of life. If you're going to take something away, like every time I preach, you're going to see 
this pattern in me. I'm going to give you the answer during the entire sermon. So when you leave, if somebody asks you, or if I ask you, you know, to be sure if you were listening to me, you can repeat that, and then maybe you remember what I talk about. But the entire idea of being born again is about making the ways of Jesus our ways of life. So with that being said, let's go back to the beginning. So my son, King, the one that you saw in the video, he read the passage, a very known passage, one of the most famous conversations that happens in the New Testament, and it's Jesus talking with Nicodemus about being, being born again. This conversation, that moment when Jesus says you need to be born again or being, being born from the above, sealed the fate for Christianity. For a lot of um, time, for a long time, for a lot of denominations, being born again, it was a one-time act that happens, a prayer that you repeat, or something, a traumatic event in your life that just makes you change the way you are. Denominations were created because of this passage, of the understanding of this passage. But what I like to put a little bit of focus here is about the person of Nicodemus and what encouraged him to go and meet Jesus during the night. Because that has a lot to do with being born again. So we see, just to a summary of the passage, there's Nicodemus that goes in the middle of the night to meet with Jesus, and he says, so who are you? Because nobody can do the things you're doing unless God is with you. And it seems like in the back and forth of the conversation, Jesus gets really frustrated to Nicodemus and says, come on, man, you're a teacher. You don't get this basic stuff? So they, Nicodemus we don't hear about him in a little bit, until a little bit later. But Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter in the kingdom. You will not understand what the kingdom is about. But Nicodemus wasn't a regular man. And what is important about this is that conversation was just the tip of the iceberg. Because the fact that Nicodemus went to meet Jesus in the, uh, during the night, it carries a lot of baggage. It is not just that, well, I don't want people to see me with Jesus. There were a lot of issues that were happening back then, and I'm going to get there in a minute. But first, who was Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a Pharisee, which means he was a lover of the law. He was jealous of the Holy Scriptures. He was also an institutional authority. A lot of leaders in that time, they were not just recognized by the, um, the Israelites, but also by the Roman Empire, by the Roman authorities, as authorities within the Israelites. He was also a moral leader. We can see in a, in a lot of different moments where uh, Nicodemus is in, with the Sanhedrin, and he, they're having conversations, and he seems to be the voice of reason and grace about the things that happen with the Jewish people. And he was also a teacher. He was in charge of forming the minds and hearts of the generations that were going to lead Israel. So Nicodemus was a beast. 
He was one of the top people of that moment, yet he could not figure it out what Jesus was talking about. But he saw something extreme in Jesus that encouraged Nicodemus to go in the middle of the night and meet with him. And, and to that moment, there is more than what it meets the eye. Because in that moment, a little bit before Jesus, and even during Jesus' time, there were a lot of Messiah pretenders. It is very important for us to be able to understand what Nicodemus saw in Jesus and what Jesus is talking about when he talks about new birth, that we understand that in that time, there were a lot of Messiah pretenders. There was one called a Samaritan. He rallied a lot of people in Israel, uh, inviting them to go to the wilderness with him, and that he will show signs of wonders and, and secret vessels that Moses had buried uh, in the desert. But the Roman authorities crushed him and his followers, killing him. There was another one, Theudas, and we hear about him in the book of Acts when Gamaliel, Paul's uh, mentor, he said, do you remember that a little while ago this, this guy with a couple of hundred people were trying to create a revolution and they were crushed by the Roman Empire? Again, this, also, this guy, the Bible says, he was a false prophet. He was, from, he was telling people that he was a prophet. We have another one, an Egyptian. In the book of Acts also, we see Paul is visiting a city and they say, are you the Egyptian? The Egyptian was also a, um, a leader, a false prophet, that was promising people a lot of things. And the Roman Empire tried to crush his rising, and he was able to escape. But nobody knows where he was. When Paul came into the center of the Christian stories, they thought he might be the Egyptian. But Paul says, no, no, I'm not him. There's another one called the imposter, which, like the other ones was say, telling people, we will rise up against the Roman Empire. I will set you free. Uh, Jonathan, the refugee, was another one. All this during Jesus' time. Several of them are named scripture. Others are named in history books. But they were people that were pretending to be the Messiah. They were pretending to be prophets. And one of the most known ones, he wasn't pretending, he was a prophet, and we know about him, is John the Baptist. And the difference between John the Baptist and the five that are behind him is that at any point he said, follow me, I will show you wonders. He was actually telling people, you guys are terrible. You need to repent. You need to change the way you're living. Instead of promising wonderful things, he was telling them, you better change because the kingdom of God is near. And unless you change, things might be complicated. And this attitude that John the Baptist has, it was carried on by the disciples. Gamaliel, and, and isn't this passage a little bit before that he names the other guy? Teudas, but he's saying, I'm telling you, hands off these men, because they have imprisoned a few disciples. Let them alone. If this program or this work is merely human, 
it will fall apart. But it is, but if it is of God, there is nothing you can do about it. And you better not be found fighting against God. Here, Nicodemus and Gamaliel, who is the one who is saying this in the book of Acts, are seeing as similarities between Jesus and the works of the disciples. They're seeing that there is something different between Jesus, the disciples, and those that came before them pretending to free Israel. There was a way of moving, of living in Jesus that encouraged Nicodemus to risk his life and his reputation in the middle of the night to go and meet with Jesus to try to figure things out. Because for the other ones, history kind of shows that they were terrible people, but Jesus was doing something different. He was not instigating war. He was talking about peace. He did not promise wonderful signs. He was designed. He was not asking people to follow him to the wilderness. He was actually walking into people's houses. And he was not putting himself at the top of the food chain. Jesus told them, like, sometimes I don't even have work to lay. He was inviting himself into people's house. There was something in Jesus' life that made Nicodemus there was something in the disciples' life that made Gamaliel. There was something in, in the Christian movement that made other people to wonder, what is with them? They were living their life in such a way that created questions. And the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus about being born again, it was a little bit confusing for him. It might be a little bit confusing for us, but if you think a little bit hard, you realize that being born again might not be something totally strange for you. Have you ever heard the phrase, new year, new life? You know that moment when um, December is almost over and you just make the list, I'm going to start this diet, I'm going to start working out, I'm going to be more patient. It's like every, before you start every new year, you make all these lists where you just try to be a different person than the one you were the year before. What about reinventing yourselves? That's also something that happens a lot in our culture nowadays. Starting over. When you transition to high school, when you transition to college, when you move to a different city, you try to be a better person than the one you were before. You try to change things. You try to live your life maybe in a different way. So being born again, reinventing yourself, changing your mind is not new for us. We try to do that all the time. The interesting difference is that Jesus says, that the reinvention that we need is a reinvention that comes from the above. Being born from the above. So you see, you just saw the video of my son King. Yeah? So you see, and, and several of you have seen him uh, 
on Sundays, so today he's not here. And when you see that little Asian kid just walking around, you might wonder where was he born. When you hear him speaking, you might stop thinking about what country was he born, and you may ask yourself, I wonder where in the U.S. was he born. When Latinos interact with my son, they wonder, what the heck? This kid's speaking Spanish. Um, so they wonder if in one Latin American country was he born. They, were, they never ask if he was born. They ask where was he born. It's like if I see you today, I'm not going to ask you, have, have you been born? I'm going to ask you maybe, where were you born? I don't need to ask you if you were born, because by the fact that I'm just seeing you here, I know that you were born at some point. The fact that I, I, I can imagine that you're breathing behind your mask is proven enough to me that at some point in your life, you were born. I can ask you maybe where, how long ago, but I know that at some point, you were born. And during your life, you probably were born again several times. Our children, Kin and Sashin, they were part of our family even before they knew they were part of our families. When we went to get Sashin from China and Kin from Hong Kong, the moment that we met with them, they were reborn because they took our last name. They became part of our family, and the life they had was going to be completely different to the one they had before. People that see our kids now that met them before, they're going to see them and say, oh my gosh, they're not the same kids that I remember. They're totally different. When you interact with, that diff with groups of people and you, you go and see um, childhood friends, they will see that you are different because you lived a life that changed you, that shaped you. And they will say, oh my gosh, you're different. There's something different in your voice. There's something different in your tone and your accent. Let me say it again. I don't need to ask you if you were born. The fact that you're living is proof enough for me that you were born. The question is, have you been born from above? In Jesus' times and in these times, the Spirit is on the move. It's, it's like a fresh breeze, like a fresh spring breeze. We're living in times that are shaking the ways our society is viewing issues social issues, political issues, religious issues. Everything is being shaken. It's pretty much like in Jesus' times. Everything, politically, religiously, everything was being shaken. The spirit was on the move. Opportunities were being opened for us to be transformed and take upon a new cause that will make us different. It will make us re be reborn. 
when we are baptized, when our children are baptized, we, or when we take confirmation, we promise for us or we promise from our children that we will teach them to live, to love, and to die like Jesus. So I don't have to ask you if you were born from the above. I don't have to ask you if you were born again. The reality is that that question becomes irrelevant because I should be able to see that you were born because you're living. Does that make sense? People will know that we are followers of Jesus because of the way we are living. They will know that we have a life-changing experience that is making us live our life in a different way. And because of the way we live, they will be able to identify, oh, these are people that make the ways of Jesus their way of life. When you realize that you need to become a follower of Jesus, when you realize that you have to love your neighbor like you love yourself, that you have to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're invited to be part of a family with a group of people that you might not even know. And as part of that family, you will follow a lead. When I used to, when I grew up, everybody in my family is left-handed. And I am too, except for basketball. I play using my right hand. But my dad was a great basketball player, my brothers were great, great basketball players, and everybody knew who the Apesenas were because they were left-handed. But I was the only one who used the right hand to play basketball. And they wonder, is this an Apesena? Because he's not playing in the same way that the other Apesenas are playing. It is the same thing with Christianity. You can tell people that you were born again. You can tell people that you made, um, that you did a prayer accepting Jesus as your Lord Savior. You can tell people that you were baptized. You can tell people that you were confirmed. But unless you show a life that is aligned with Jesus, you have no proof that you were born. It doesn't matter what you say. What it matters is how you live. People will not wonder about your faith because seeing you should be enough. And this is what makes the difference between John the Baptist and Jesus and any other Messiah pretender during that time. The way they were living was making a difference in people's world. John the Baptist, Jesus, and the disciples, they were making the life of other people a better place. So today I'm inviting you to this. Being born again is about making the ways of Jesus your way of life. It's nothing more simply, simpler than that. Let's pray.
Dear God, we live in a complicated world. We are bombarded with ideas and interpretations of who you are and, and why what being a follower of you looks like. So we are a group of people that has a personal relationship with you. We are a group of people that wants to have a communal relationship with you as a body. So I pray, Holy Spirit, to come with power and with fire and renewal of our mind so we can follow Jesus, that we can love our neighbors, that we can love you, that we can wake up every day saying, today is another day that I'm making the ways of Jesus my way of life. So God, remind us of the time when we were born. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you give us strength enough to live a life that is proven enough that one day we were born. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.